0: You may be seeing this B with a circle around it on a product, and it may not register for you, or you may think it's just like every other certification on here, but this one sets apart, and that's something that I think that folks need to know.
1: From Deergo Collective, this is Responsibly Different, sharing stories of certified B corporations and our journey of joining them in leveraging business as a force for good. This podcast is all about discovering ways business and commerce can solve for some of the biggest problems facing people and planet. The overwhelming majority of episodes so far have featured certified B Corps because B Corps are held to the highest third party verified standards of how they impact their workers, the environment, their community, their customers, and ultimately how they make decisions as a business. It's a great way for us and consumers alike to have confidence that these companies are doing the things they say they are because we know they're being held accountable to the public claims that they make. So who is this third party, you might ask? It's the nonprofit organization, B-Lab. I sat down with Andrew Kahn, manager of community engagement at B-Lab US and Canada, and he answered all the questions I've been dying to ask B-Lab about how the process of certification works on their end and so much more. Andrew, so excited to have you on the show. To kind of start us off, what's it like working at B-Lab? B-Lab.
0: Uh, it's a great question. It's honestly a, a pleasure and a privilege, and immensely challenging in like the greatest way possible. So the folks that I work with at B Lab are, and my counterparts at B Corp's are, without exception, like values aligned, passionate, good natured, and kind people. So I feel really blessed and fortunate to show up every day, regardless of what's happening in the world or in my personal life, when I log on. Or when I go, you know, in other times to see my colleagues, just really like good energy and feel really lucky because I know that that's not a given for everyone's work environment. The work is engaging. It feels really relevant and topical and it's dynamic. So we're constantly really learning and iterating on how to support dynamic, motivated, and ever-increasing community of B Corps. So it's a a puzzle that we're constantly that I feel like the, uh, the shapes of the pieces keep changing. So we're always trying to put together these evolving pieces of the puzzle um, to to evolve with the growth of the movement. And it's it's been a, a real a pleasure.
1: That's great. I'm curious for folks that are listening and are like, oh my gosh, it's my dream to work at B-Lab. Uh, what advice do you have for them? And are y'all hiring?
0: Uh, we are hiring. So I would check bcorporation.net. Uh, I think there's a jobs a jobs or career section. We also have B-Work, which is uh, a, a, B, a purpose-driven job posting board run through one of our B Corp partners that a lot of B Corps will post their jobs on. In addition, we throw our jobs up there as well. I would, any advice that I have, like go for it. Working at B Lab was a dream of mine as well. Uh, I danced around the purpose-driven impact social impact space for the entirety of my career. And yeah, just keep an eye. I think B-Lab does a fantastic job of procuring talent from like a really diverse set of backgrounds and sets of experiences. I find that a lot of folks in the social impact space have had like non-linear routes in their career. And where that you know, may leave some folks a little bit self-conscious or nervous as as they advance their career. I, I feel really confident that B-Lab like prioritizes and values that diversity and experience and backgrounds, which kind of lends to what I said before, as far as the rich, like amazing uh, folks that I work
1: with. That's awesome. Uh, how, how did B-Lab get started in the first place? So
0: B-Lab was founded in 2006 by a few friends, Bart Houlihan, Jay Cohen Gilbert, and Andrew Kasoy. They came from the business world. They actually uh, were the owners of And One, which um, I don't know if you remember from, I don't know how old you are, but from the 90s, like the sportswear basketball brand. And when they sold their business, they wanted to create a market infrastructure to make it easier for a company like theirs that they nurtured and created to be a certain way to help them protect their business and their mission and improve their impact over time. So, uh, I think, you know, that year or the following year, the, the initial class of B Corps came in, which I believe were like a class of like seven, a cohort of like 75 B Corps uh, came in then. So in 2006, 75 B Corps today, over 4000 B Corps worldwide.
1: Yeah, it's really kind of taken on a life of its own and really become more of a movement. Uh, What do you think has been some of the biggest contributions to the success of of that movement.
0: It, it certainly has blown up as a movement, and I think that, like we at B Lab, I, I feel like I can say this on behalf of B Lab, recognize that we are a player in a broader purpose driven business space. So I think that you know from what I see, there is momentum and and pressure coming from good pressure coming from consumers from investors from employees that their businesses are creating an environment that is safe and healthy and dynamic. And, you know, that all of the stakeholders that are considered in the process are taken into account. So I feel like, you know, the market is shifting this way. I think that B Lab has done a fantastic job working alongside like product level certifications and, and, and to allow businesses to really track and measure their impact over time. Um, so I think just having the infrastructure in place has really, yeah, provided like a good foundation for the whole like current to continue because without that you have greenwashing and folks don't know who to believe and there's a lack of transparency. So I think us alongside um, a lot of other folks and business leaders that have really, led with their values and their morals, which wasn't always the case and isn't always the case in the business world. So I would say that it was a lot of bold at seemingly risky moves by business leaders over the last like 15, 20 years. Um, and then folks like, uh, you know, B lab and all the global partners and the, the, like the broader B community that have set, you know, whether it's be academics with within the academic you know world or um yeah have just like set sort of like the foundation and infrastructure in place to support this growth and ultimately push towards like policy change and systems change yeah and and I think social media and press and investigative journalism that has you know exposed some bad business practices I, I don't <laughs> This, the assessment and the the certification only awards points for positive impact. It doesn't take away points if you're doing something that's harmful. So I try to think of what we're doing as inherently like creating impact and value as opposed to like punishing companies that aren't doing badly. But I think, you know, when consumers and the world becomes more aware of how extractive and harmful some companies that provide a lot of the products that they use are, you know, it has them thinking twice. And now that there's an alternative and a credible alternative, it gives folks a choice. And I think, uh, I think that's, that's made a huge impact.
1: Yeah. And and I, I know for, for us, one of the things that we love about it and, and why we've centered so much of this podcast around certified B Corps is because the assessment is so rigorous that it really it holds is. folks <sighs> accountable. Um, I'm so curious like what goes into creating those questions and creating the assessment like how does that happen or manifest?
0: It is a very rigorous process you're right. Um, so we it's a it's a multi-stakeholder process first of all so we have input from regional advisory groups. Uh, we do alpha and beta testing. We have a public comment period to make sure that our stakeholders and community members, can offer their input and their suggestions and what they would like to see in that. And we also open that uh, public comment period up to the general public, and they have the ability to review and provide input on what we're proposing as far as changes to the standards or proposing changes to the standards moving forward. So my understanding is that the next iteration of the standards will be released in 2024. So it takes... A couple years and sometimes longer than others depending on how i think it seems to be over time the process is getting way more complex and and comprehensive and substantive which is great but can take a little bit longer but we're supported by our community because the folks in our community want to see the standards continue to raise it drives value to their business it increases the value of the certification knowing that the standards continue to increase. So, and we're always sourcing feedback from the community too. So our standards team, which actually sits separately from B-Lab US and Canada for obvious reasons, they have an amazing process. They have a really good structure that, you know, they, they look very objectively and are, are, you know, constantly reviewing, you know, input and, and have folks that are always like you know, yeah, taking inputs, not just from the community as well, but looking at other certifications and standards around the world and incorporating. So drawing from the best of international standards and best practices to take into account. So there's a ton of inputs and an impartial group of multi, a multi-stakeholder impartial group that, uh, you know, pushes them through.
1: That's so neat. So that I'm so curious. So that standards group, Is it like its own organization or like, I'm so curious to learn more about that.
0: It's its own entity. Yeah. So uh, about a year and a half ago, so we were all one organization and then we split into separate entities. So we have B-Lab Global, which serves sort of the global movement and that's the the umbrella entity. And then we split as B-Lab US and Canada. As a global partner of which there are half a dozen, uh, maybe more. So you have, uh, B Lab New Zealand and Australia, B Lab UK, Systema Bay, which are our partners in, in, Latin America. We are one of many global partners that B Lab Global serves. And then apart from that, you have the standards. So the standards needs to be apart from us for like to avoid a conflict of interest because we need that impartiality. Um, and that objective standards, because we would love to see the community grow exponentially, but we need to make sure that we maintain the integrity of the standards. And that's why separating the entities uh, was necessary. It's created some interesting challenges and opportunities as far as like rethinking the way that we work. We had teams that were split in half and we, you know, we were working together one day and then you know, we have separate work streams, separate organizations. So we're all being supported by B Lab Global wonderfully, but you know, all of the separate entities are now developing their own like nuances and idiosyncrasies and identities and cultures, which is amazing. So it's been it's been a shift in the last year and a half, but most folks don't understand that the standards aren't B Lab US and Canada. B Lab is actually a bunch of different global partners. Um, And then you have B-Lab Global, which sits atop, that is responsible for like the entire narrative of the movement and overseeing and servicing in an equitable way all of our global partners, which I think is surprising to most people.
1: That is so cool. And it's actually so exciting to hear that because, you know, we've talked with some folks that have you know voiced some concern that they were optimistic that this wouldn't happen to B-Lab, but, you know, had the concern that like some other certifications that have maybe lowered their standards incrementally to allow for more people in, uh, you know, that it kind of waters down the certification. And so it sounds like with that separation, you've essentially prevented that from happening.
0: We've prevented that from happening. And the proof is in the pudding that there is a six month or so wait for new companies certifying, which is proof that just because we have an influx of submissions, that doesn't mean we're just pushing people through because as I always see it, like the, the standards are a house of cards and you have to really maintain it because you let one company through that isn't deserving of it. And it throws into doubt the entire credibility of the rest of the business community and everything that was built. And our standards teams takes that incredibly seriously and we support them as well. Like we know that there are logistical challenges and, and, expectations that, you know, are changing from folks that work really hard to submit and certify and then have to wait six months to talk to somebody. And that's where we step in um, as a B-Lab, you know, U.S. and Canada community team to help, you know, reset those expectations and let them know the reason why it's taking so long is because we granted extensions for a lot of companies that were impacted by COVID in the last year and a half combined with the influx of submissions we thought there was going to be a down like a downturn and 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 the exact opposite happened i think folks realized that businesses that had their mission like codified and really embedded into their practices were actually more resilient they weren't scrambling last march or april trying to figure out how to take care of their employees because they didn't have policies in place the certification like provides that framework. So, you know, it was uh it was it was interesting to see the division. I mean, obviously I was seeing what was happening in the world, but then I was speaking on a day-to-day basis to B Corps that were not just being reactive and taking care of their employees, but thinking forward and taking care of their communities during this time as well. So it was really inspiring and I I, I think that data will show over time when we're a little bit further away from it. The resiliency of B Corps during this time is similar to the resiliency that we saw after, uh, the recession in 2009 that B Corps were more resilient as far as like riding out those shifts in the market as well. So all that to say is we, we have a, a ton of interest and inbound interest, but just because we have a lot of companies that want to come in we're, we're, we're being thoughtful. We're obviously it's a, it's a fun challenge to figure out how we can improve efficiency, efficiency in the pipeline and get these companies through faster, but no one is willing to compromise the integrity of the standards. And we continue to make it more difficult knowing that it's going to increase that time potentially. So we're working at that proactively to make sure that, you know, we're, yeah, we're getting ahead of it. So it's a it's a it's a compliment to have the challenge of not being able to get companies through the door fast enough. It's a good problem to have. And, you know, I feel really confident in our team and the ability for us to be resourceful in figuring out how to do this in a way that's efficient and effective and allows us to grow and scale along with the demand for the certification.
1: That's so cool. And and so hearing, too, that B-Lab Global is made up of all these smaller kind of entities, is the standards team, do they set standards for for everybody around the globe or is there a different standards team for Europe than there is for like the South Pacific or different regions?
0: It's generally the same standards team for everybody. But then we have some folks in regional offices that can be a little bit more supportive for folks that are going through the assessment in another language or English is not their first language. So we have folks that speak different languages that can service you know, folks from around the world. So, but it, it is all from the standards team. There's not multiple standards teams as there are multiple global partners.
1: Oh, okay. There's
0: one standards team that services all of the world, but they are also disseminated in offices around the world for that like regional, like nuance and support for specific regions.
1: That makes sense. And then with those, sorry, I'm just like, I'm so curious. This is so, yeah, so let's, cool. Let's so go. fascinating. <laughs> um, so, so then like when the standards team says, okay, you know, we're going to tweak a question about, you know, something in workers, right? Is it like live that minute or do they say, okay, hold on, we're going to gather all of our updates and changes and we're going to release it all at the same time? Or is it like more yes. staged? Yeah, I'm so curious how that works, how that rollout works.
0: It's 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 the former. It's uh it it happens in a batch and it's released because it all goes through a process together. That multi stakeholder process that's very rigorous takes a lot of time, and then it's updated as like a new version. So I don't know what version we're on. I think maybe six or seven. So there will be a new version that's released, and then when folks go into their B a. impact assessment to start a new assessment those changes will be in that new, they will be automatically pushed over or like start anew in the assessment with the new questions.
1: Oh, that's so cool. So it's
0: not, it's not ad hoc. I see. Okay.
1: Question. And how often do those updates happen?
0: It's every couple years. Um, I believe it was like every, every two years it was supposed to be. And then I think this one was delayed a little bit just after the last year, like I think change the trajectory of the process and our ability to like gather the stakeholders in a certain way. But generally it's, uh, every, I, I believe every two years, every two or three years. Oh, wow.
1: That is so cool.
0: It's likely when a company recertifies, it's likely that they will be recertifying on a different version of the standards every time or every other time they recertify. The cert- the recertification is every three years, so, depending on where you are, aligns with the release of the new version. You could be seeing a new a new assessment every time you recertify, which is challenging for a lot of companies that even have been in the community for a while. It still pushes on them to you know they, you can't first of all you can't dial in the assessment and the certification process period, but it keeps them extra sharp because they're almost guaranteed to see new questions. In addition to as they grow their track might change on the assessment and then you know new gated questions might open up to them relative to their size or the expansion of their operations too. So it's, dyna- it's dynamic and evolves with the company as the company grows and evolves as well.
1: That is so cool. And I also think that's really exciting because at least our experience, I mean, granted, it took us a year to complete the assessment, um, but it I feel like every question you learn so much, or at least we did. You know, like there's just so much... So with all those updates, it's like, I don't know, it's like unlocking new candy. Granted, it's tough to write, but it's, I don't know, it's good. That's exciting.
0: And it's, it it's forces reflection too, especially when it's a new question, you take it back to your team and say, have we considered this? How does this show up in our business? And if not, and then how is this aligned with our business strategy? And is this something that we want to incorporate? Or something that we want to maybe tackle in the future. So it's like I, I totally agree. It's like a great catalyst for, you know, internal conversations and reflection.
1: So I I'm so curious, when you do receive a company's completed BIA, what happens next? Is that is it the standards team that's like kind of grading and assessing it? Or is it B Lab North America? Or like who who's actually like what happens next after you hit that golden submit button?
0: So when you click submit it goes into the queue of what is now a lot of companies waiting. So you get in line and when it's your turn, a standards analyst will be assigned to your company and to your assessment. And they reach back out, they do a scan and make sure that you have all the initial documentation and all everything checked out. They will review, likely come back and ask for, Additional documentation to verify certain answers that you've given it's rare that the first time that you're submitting You're going to provide all the documentation in the right way It it takes a little bit and you don't know what you don't know sometimes and for a lot of companies This is their first time tracking and measuring their impacts period so it may be less formal or less standardized than you know, if it's their third or fourth time going through recertification. So there could be a little bit of a back and forth with the standards analyst and the folks at the company, and really just depends on how much work or potential improvement. So a company certifies with a score of 90. And after the initial pass, you know, the analyst might say, what we actually have, like what's true that we can verify is 74. So they'll give the company the assessment back and say here's a improvement period or come back to us in a couple weeks when you're able to make a couple changes and you see yourself back over 80 and then we will then review again. So there's a little bit of a back and forth, but on the flip side, say you submit with a 110, the standards analyst says I verify that you are actually at 110, you move through. And that could be a matter of weeks, it could be a matter of months. It really all depends on the complexity of the business, the responsiveness of the company, um, and you know, obviously, like the pipeline and and what like the wait time is. But generally, it's able to move as fast or almost as fast as the company is able to turn around responses and make the changes that are required. But often, it takes a little bit of a uh, coming back to the team, saying this is where we're at. What what are the changes? And sometimes that change. Management takes a little bit slower on the company's end, understandably so. So it can really vary in how quick or how long that process takes. But assuming that there are no speed bumps or obstacles, you know, you can move through with a matter of, you know, three or four conversations and sending like a little bit of documentation. And then you pay your annual fee, you sign the declaration of interdependence and you come into the community. And that's when we at B-Lab US and Canada will likely greet you with an onboarding session, give you the lay of the land, all the resources and the platforms that are available. Also like support channels. We have like a great team ready to help for recertification, trying to get more engaged with the community. If someone sees an opportunity and says, hey, I'm super passionate about this area of impact and I don't see anyone else that's talking about it, I like me and my colleagues will help that company get started and find other folks that are involved in the same thing and set them up with a process and the infrastructure and make sure that message gets out to every other B Corp that may be interested. And then that's where these impactful conversations begin. And that's part of, that's part of like the B Corp experience. The, I think a lot of folks think, all right, we got the certification. We're good, but there's a ton of value beyond, certifying that we're have a, a, a team that's working super hard to continue to grow quality opportunities for engagement and for folks to find easier ways to partner with one another, uh, which is a tremendous value of being in the B Corp community and keep them accountable and make sure that they have peers and impact and access to resources because we really want B Corps to be looking at the certification as a commitment to ongoing impact improvement, not just, uh, all right, we're going to, We're going to see where we're at every three years. We want this to be an ongoing dynamic process. So we try to provide programming and opportunities and encouragement and support to make it easier for folks because we know that it's not easy.
1: Yeah, no, that's super real. Um, I'm curious, too. So for folks, I noticed in the BIA itself, there's a spot where you can upload documentation and stuff. Is it easier for you all if if folks are like unsure like i think this is what they're looking for and they just kind of like upload everything and then hit submit or is it easier if you guys like hold, hold hold like slow your roll like we'll ask you for what we need and then you provide it like what what's kind of the on your end like what's like oh gosh yes they did this this makes my life easier like what what does that look like for you all
0: uh it's a good question i mean i think we have like great, the standard team does a fantastic job of embedding instructions and examples of documentation within each question where they ask for it. So I believe that their preference is upload what you have rather than like let them ask you for it because likely they're going to ask you for what you have and then respond. So I think that they prefer to see what the closest documentation is to what they're asking for um, and then sort of work backwards from there because no documentation is no documentation and they're going to prompt that anyway. So I think that they would prefer to see what you have in their initial scan because I think it's part of like a holistic assessment of your entire assessment to say, you know, if there's a lot of documentation, or they provided no documentation. They're going to need a lot of support, and then set that expectation. So, I think my preference is, and our preference is, do your best and, and answer every question the best that you can. Provide everything the best that you're able to, and then work backwards from there. Rather than be prudent, because that will only elongate, I believe, the verification process.
1: Ah, uh, that makes sense. So, when in doubt, upload, upload, upload.
0: Yeah. Take a shot. Cool. Or ask. Cool. We have we have support channels. Like as you're going through the assessment too, you can ask and submit a support ticket. And uh, our standards team does a really great job of monitoring those tickets and providing like real-time feedback to folks that are trying to navigate the assessment as well. So when in doubt, ask. But if also when in doubt, just do, do your best and do what you think rather than be prudent because you know that we're going to ask for it.
1: Down the road, cool, cool, cool. That's super helpful. Uh, I'm curious, what is the average length of time you've seen companies take to certify from when they first open their BIA for the very first time to when they actually submit and ultimately certify?
0: Uh, I, I think I alluded to this a little bit earlier. Depending on how prepared a company is, where they are in their journey, and where they are in their impact reporting, it could take any time, any amount of time, from a couple weeks. To be able to submit, especially if you know this is, a, it could be a company that had a consultant. So that could help. You know, if, if you're working with a, a B Corp consultant that has taken multiple companies through, that will drastically decrease the amount of time that you're going to spend in preparation and likely the uh, amount of time you'll spend in verification. So, but it could take anywhere from a couple of weeks to a couple of months. Most likely, a couple of months to. A couple years if you're a multinational company and have a really complex business and sometimes the back and forth and like the stakeholder engagement is way more complex and and can take a while so i would say on average maybe six months to eight months and that's taking into account where the verification like pipeline and, and queue is right now but on, you know under other circumstances a company can move through in a matter of like a month or two if they have their ducks in a row and it's a smooth verification. So, it's tough to give like a specific time frame. It really does vary, but I'll just, you know, kind of underscore the pr- the preparation that's done ahead of time and the buy-in from from the company and those that are behind the effort are critical to making, you know, what can be a long process as smooth and efficient as possible.
1: That makes sense. Uh, I'm curious too. So, B Lab being a nonprofit, do you work with volunteers at all, or or what does that look like?
0: Yes, we do. Uh, so, a-, a few volunteer groups in particular that are major contributors to the movement are B locals and B academics. So, the growth of our community and the ongoing support of like you know creating a quality experience for B Corp's is immensely enhanced by. Our volunteers and like those groups in particular, we used to have an intern program. I don't believe we do anymore, Um, but we do really look to our community and leverage pro bono support, partnerships with other organizations, and then you know the volunteer leadership of a lot of B Corp leaders within the community that take the initiative to start lead conversations and mobilize folks towards collective action. And we support that. And we recognize that you know this may be you know, uh, an accountability that they feel personally or with the mission of their business, but we recognize their presence in the community and their activity and engagement in the community is majority on a volunteer basis. So if we look at a lot of the amazing things that come out, it's through the volunteer or pro bono or extracurricular activity of folks that work at B Corps to really engage and mobilize the community with the support of us at B Lab. So I would say it's driven by a lot of volunteer. It's volunteer effort from folks that are paying to be part of the community. So they're going beyond sort of their membership and volunteering their time additionally because it's, it's, it's valuable to them and creates value for other folks as well.
1: That's great. I'm, I'm curious for folks that maybe aren't familiar with B Academics or, uh, or B Locals, could you explain to folks kind of what they are and what B Lab's engagement with them is like?
0: Sure thing. So B Academics is a network of educators and researchers from around the world that invest in learning and programming and like research to support the growth of the B Corp movement. B Locals are regional groups of B Corps, so they're self-organized, volunteer-led And they provide multifaceted programming and support to prospective and existing B Corps in their regions. So we at V-Labs set the vision and the strategy for the growth of the movement. And then B Locals, B Academics are vital partners to help us implement that. And they, I can't say enough just how incredible these folks are. They really amplify the message. They evangelize the movement. They help bring folks into the community and educate you know, uh, budding entrepreneurs on why they should set their businesses up in in this way, and really evangelize the use of the framework. So whether it's bringing folks into the community or just letting everybody know that this framework exists, and whether you just use it for free or use it as a tool, or you decide to certify that this is out there, and that there are folks beyond you know the thirty or so folks that work for B Lab US in Canada to really support the movement, and these folks are all around the world. Um, and they're leading MBA courses in you know, B Corp 101. They are holding lunch and learns. They are writing papers around, you know, the growth of B Corp brand awareness. They do fantastic things and it's a, it's a commitment and dedication to the broader purpose-driven business movement. And we're really fortunate to have so many partners to help us get there.
1: That's so cool. If if folks listening are curious to kind of dig into uh, maybe going through some of those resources that uh, Be Academic has either generated or is cultivating uh, and or finding their own Be Local, is there a a website or a place they can go to find both of those?
0: Well, it's actually all linked out from bcorporation.net. And we have a tab that is what is a B local community? And then a map where all of the B locals in um, US and Canada are. So just to name a few, Asheville, Boston, Michigan, Minnesota. And there is a link to sign up and connect to each of the respective B locals there. So I would say head to the website, bcorporation.net, to see a lot of the resources that are put out. And then you can head to our medium platform, Be the Change, which is you know, a really great storytelling device and and something that we use to source great stories from all the great things that B Corps are doing in the community and get it out to the rest of the community, the general public. And we also create content that incorporates some of this work that uh, really important work that B Locals and B Academics are doing on there as well. So those are two places that I would recommend looking.
1: Oh, that's so cool. I- I'm curious too. So I know University of New Hampshire... And I believe that this started in University of North Carolina I have these programs called like B Impact Clinics. Is that are those part of B Academics or are they a completely separate thing all into themselves?
0: I think it's under the umbrella of B Academics, but they are independently run by like those specific institutions. And obviously, like we try to provide you know the support that we're able to to make sure that they're. Yeah, well equipped to support companies through this process. And in in addition to that, there are a handful of MBA programs that like help companies go through the certification as well. And it's something that, you know, personally speaking, I think that we could, there's a a tremendous opportunity to engage this group of stakeholders and partners way more. um, And something that I hope. Yeah, I hope to see that. Like we we double down and and invest in these folks because they're doing amazing work, and I think that uh, we have you know room to support them even more.
1: Oh, for sure, that's really cool. I noticed too in the BIA that many, if not all, of the questions seem to tie back to the UN sustainability development goals. I'm curious, does B-Lab work at all with the UN or or just use their SDGs for inspiration?
0: It's actually an official partnership that we have with the UNGC, which is the UN Global Compact. So it, it maps the questions on the assessment to the SDGs so that companies can track and measure their operations, supply chain, and business model and how it like sort of creates value and or identifies risks areas for different SDGs. So it's a partnership that we have with them, something that we're really proud of. um, and we're finding that a ton of folks are using whether or not they are a B Corp or not a lot of like, you know, we have, I don't know the exact number. I was going to just throw out a crazy number, but there are like thousands upon thousands of users of the SDG action manager. And we're really proud of our partnership with the UNGC. And, uh, we see it as, like an in- inextricable link to the change that we're trying to create and those goals that have been set by the UN.
1: That's so cool. So, what does that relationship with the UN look like? Like, is that, is it the standards team that's working with the UN to kind of integrate all of those things together?
0: It's a combination of the BLAB Global and our standards team um, to work together to make sure that. I mean, it, it, I, I don't believe that it influences the questions that are on there. But as far as categorizing and capturing and mapping them to the SDGs, we have folks on our standards team that help like apply and make sure because that's what they're doing on a day-to-day basis is sort of gauging the equivalency and like the materiality of um, how, yeah, like how things are mapping to the standards.
1: That's really cool. That is really, really cool. I, I'm, I'm curious. So I, I love that the, the nature of the assessment is, you know, as you've talked about, that it evolves and it challenges businesses to grow and and just continue to do better. And I just love that evolutionary process. I'm curious, what areas are B-Lab working to improve kind of as an organization, kind of coming alongside that process? Are there ways that you all are kind of reflecting that in the organization itself or, or you know, kind of learning from some of these other B Corps or integrating uh, into your own practices that that maybe folks listening could learn from.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, we're always learning from B Corps. Uh, there's a ton of value. Whenever we think of what we can be doing better, our first our first uh, instinct is to look at the community and look at the leaders in our community and and learn from them. Uh, I would say we're working on you know looking through all of our activities especially as we have like split into different entities and making sure that all of our activities are are tracking towards our organizational goals and the theory of change that we have recently created released so we're really mapping towards the progress that we want to see in the next 5 years and the pillars that we've identified which are racial equity climate justice and stakeholder governance so we just want to make sure that all of the work that all of us are doing and have been doing are rolling up neatly. I would say we are we are in the process and have been for some time of auditing our practices and our ways of working through uh, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion focus and lens, which is important work. It's like part of you know what we uh, declared to be last summer as an anti-racist organization. This is like the work that's required. So it's really. Uh, It's an ongoing process of continuing to look at what we're doing, slow down um, and make sure that the process, the workflows that we're following and the ways that we're working, we're not doing just because that's the way it's been done. We want to ensure that it's serving all and that if if we're able to, we're removing any barriers um, to access to our, our resources, our tools. And, you know, ourselves as an organization. So that's really important work that we partner with folks in the community, partner with consultants within the community to help us on that journey and are inspired by, you know, some B Corps that we see that are leading in that way as well. And I, I think in that line a little bit, we're just working to work more effectively and efficiently and cross-functionally. We switched our ways of working during COVID to sort of reorganize ourselves to respond to the needs of the community at that moment and we found a lot of success as an organization. So we're looking at what we learned uh, last year and how we can implement like more effective ways to you know serve our community at scale. So you know, I think it's a lot of what you know a lot of other organizations are constantly going through. We just have the privilege of being able to draw from the best across every industry and that you know, we have the best examples and the best best practices. To draw from from within the community, so it's synthesizing them, applying them, and then just con- constantly checking to make sure is this working? Can we be doing this better? Because we have we're serving a community at scale, so we always have to be keeping an eye on is this equitable? Is this serving everybody? And if not, you know how can we continue to adjust?
1: That makes a lot of sense. I'm curious too. Is there a common myth about B Corps or B Lab that you wish you could just kind of clearly err on and say, okay, no, 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 this, this is actually like how it is or whatever. Uh,
0: there's a couple. Um, I would say that B does not stand for benefit. That is a common misconception. So there is like, not to go down this road, but there is benefit corporation, which is a legal, legal business structure. And there is B Corp. And it does not, it's it's not, it's not Benefit Corp. Benefit Corporation is a company that has that legal structure. We, a B Corp is one that attains the certification. So that's a common misconception, um, and misuse of that. And we're constantly working on trying to make that a little bit more clear in our, our messaging. There's a myth that you're too small to be a B Corp, um, which is also not true. We have a lot of solo entre- you know, solopreneurs and companies that have one to nine employees in our community. And we have you know, the, the, the standards adapts to you know, the business track that you're on and ask you questions that apply to your business, like relative to your operations. So a lot of folks say, Hey, I'm just starting out or it's just me. So I can't really become a B Corp. That's not true. And also just because you're a good company or you do good through your company doesn't mean that you can become a B Corp. (laughs) I think that some people downplay the rigor of the standards and assume that B Corps are like other good companies that they've heard of, but there are plenty of good companies and great companies that aren't able to become B Corps for one reason or another, whether it's their, you know, uh, the legal conversion that's required or, you know, some some stakeholder or something, you know, tied to their investors or things like that. There are a plethora of reasons why B Corps aren't able to meet those standards just because they do something great in one area doesn't mean that they're, they're doing things great across the board as a business. So, yeah, I, I just, I think the distinction of what it means to be a B Corp gets lost on folks, but it's really rare. It's hard to do. And every single company that's a B Corp, I just, I have like a little, a tremendous amount of respect and an admiration for, and I look at them differently. So as a consumer, like that B logo on, on a product lets me know something about the business and I working in the space, I'm extra critical and I feel really confident about not just the product, but the company that's behind the product that they are you know they may not do everything perfectly, but they've demonstrated by our standards and which is not easy that they are accumulating a positive impact, looking at their community, their workers, their environment around them that means a ton to me and if I could just like get out on the top of a mountain and let people know that like that's a really easy way when you're in the store and you're looking at A bunch of great products if you want to go that step further and think how does the company treat like all of their stakeholders um, and the communities that you know they work in that's it's just such a a clear dependable credible way to do that Um, so I think that kind of aligns with like the myth or what is like unknown you may be seeing this be with a circle around it on a product and it may not register for you or you may think it's just like every other certification on here but this one sets apart. And that's something that I think that folks need to know.
1: Absolutely. And and I would encourage folks to use the B Corp directory. Absolutely. Right. Like I, I, I know it's a habit I've been getting into is like, oh, I got to get a backpack or I got to, you know, there's this thing I got to get. And it's like, well, I'll just go to the directory and punch in backpack and see what comes up. And then all of a sudden you find some B Corp that makes this like epic backpack that you didn't even know about, which is really cool. Uh, so and now I have to ask, where does the B come from? What does the B mean?
0: I don't know. Maybe that's the myth. <laughs> that's the myth. I think it was, I think, uh, yeah, I don't really know. Well, there we go. I, there's some, there's some things that like, I mean, there's, I think a couple different explanations, but I haven't really been convinced that the folks that have explained it to me, like actually, cause there's divergent thoughts. So You know, with the age of the internet, you can look anything up, but I like to keep that a little bit of like a mystery. I think that makes it a little bit more special to me. Oh, for sure. Adds to the mystique. It's that all encompassing, ominous, mystical bee. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Um, Which I often think about with B-Lab. It's just like mystical thing. (laughs) Uh, How many folks work at B-Lab?
0: So there's about 30 of us at B-Lab US and Canada where I work. We're distributed uh, mostly across the US and a few folks in Canada. And then I think between B-Lab Global and the Standards, maybe another 100 or so folks. And that's not taking into account, like I said, like the different global partners in in uh, other countries. So I don't have like an actual headcount, but I can tell you from our team, the team that serves about 1800 B Corps in the US and Canada were 30, 30 strong. Wow,
1: that's incredible. So I I guess that's also a like, be patient folks, like, right?
0: It's (laughs) it's a be patient. And it's also (laughs) a nod to all the partners and volunteers that I mentioned. Like we leverage and are continuing to invest in our ability to accept the help and partnership of the other folks in our ecosystem that really like multiplies the work and the effort and the mighty effort of like the 30 of us is really amplified by all of the other folks that like play a role in amplifying, you know, our work and making sure that, you know, it's a supportive, informative and like meaningful process and experience for our community. So uh, be patient and also be grateful for all that, all that uh makes everything work because it's a uh, it's a lot it's a it's a coordinated effort and it's a uh, it's really driven by like commitment and passion for the way that a lot of folks want to see the system change and know that these businesses are really important levers for change and some people think you know what could one what can I do as a consumer by recycling? What does that debt make? But you have enough people that then push on their employer to say, all right, well, as a company, we're going to do this. And then you have a company that pushes on their industry. And that's how we see that change laddering up to like systems change, which is certainly needed because the system as it's set up right now is not working for everybody. We're acutely aware of that all the time, and especially in the last year and a half. So now more than ever, we, we see what we're doing is important to change the trajectory of of how the system serves all of the people.
1: That's really cool. Um, on that note of of, of patience, I, you mentioned earlier that there's a long kind of like lead time mm-hmm. at the moment, right? Because you've got such demand, which is great. Uh, and I know that you all have the like pending B Corp, but if I understand right, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that the pending B Corp is reserved just for businesses that are under a year old, right? right. Like so they they've like submitted, but technically you have to be over a year old in order to certify. So they're they're pending, right? Is there any talk of uh, like a like a B Corp. We
0: submitted and we're waiting to be an
1: aspiring B Corp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's tough because <laughs> you can you can fill out the assessment and have an inflated sense of the impact of your business that's unverified and have you scoring at one hundred and forty. Mm. And there's no. It's tough because we have to again. I think it links back to protecting the integrity of the standards and the value of that logo for the companies that have met those standards. So that being said, I don't know that there's talk, um, of a, like a provisional. I think the provisional status is if you're able to meet the standards and you're under a year of operation, as you said, pending B Corp. But beyond that, um, no, but it's a really good point. I mean, we, we should, Whether you're a B Corp or not, like, you know, we do want to lift up businesses that are making an effort and are committed to growing their impacts. It's just...
1: I don't know though, to your point though, as, as, as I'm like saying it out loud, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm like, actually, maybe that's a terrible idea to have a, to have like a aspiring B Corp thing, because then anybody and everybody could just slap it on everything. And now all of a sudden that's, the B doesn't mean anything. That's what we're avoiding. And that's the whole point. That's yeah. what we're avoiding. Yeah. Um,
0: but at the same, like what, what I was, I guess, trying to say is that, you know, I recognize that there are a ton of amazing businesses that aren't aware of the certification they're doing great things or they're going through the process and for one reason or another they they're not able to complete it or they're stuck in the process and you know I want to shout out all of those companies I know it's it's a grind and it's a struggle to move your company in this direction especially if you know your company's not new and you're like retrofitting your company to be more of the company that the type of company that we're talking about and you know there's a lot of in between as far as like what falls just short of like a B Corp. And there are tremendous folks that are doing tremendous things with their businesses. And, you know, we appreciate like how that plays a role and what what it is that we're doing for sure. So yeah, we would love to love to find a way, um, just to get companies through faster so that there's not even a need for a provisional status.
1: That makes sense. And also, I mean, the good work speaks for itself, right? So even without the logo, like business is doing good work, it, it, it speaks for itself. So, uh, so there's always that. Uh, I'm curious, what advice do you have for anyone just getting started uh, in pursuing B Corp certification or that is maybe just thinking about it? Make sure
0: that there's purpose behind the effort and make sure that you have like buy-in ahead of time because there are a lot of asks associated with the process. You having gone through it, you know that it can be arduous and it's time intensive. And especially as you're starting a business, it's a tough decision to make between growing your operations and then, you know, also going through this process concurrently. So just make sure that there's commitment and support and an understanding of like what is required. Um, Because I think a lot of folks will probably start filling out the assessment be like, whoa, this is not what I thought it was. And then get get like knocked back a little bit. But, you know, even if you're not ready to share with the greater team that you're pursuing the certification, embed like the pillars of like what the standards stand for into and across your business. So even if you choose not to certify ultimately or you aren't able to, the effort won't be for naught and like the impact will still persist through your business. So I would say go for it. Like no matter whether you're able to get to 80 or not, I would encourage all businesses, whether you just download the framework and just use it in a strategic planning meeting to like consider the type of business that you want to be. And then, you know, for those folks that are going through the process and making tough decisions, I say go for it and just know that you have a team on the other side that takes your investment very seriously. And we're working very hard to make sure that as you go through this process and once you're through the process, that it's incredibly worthwhile. It's a rich experience for you that you're able to communicate your, your impact to your employees and to your stakeholders and to your consumers in a way that props up your business and that, you know, there's a community on the other side of support and and peer support. So, you know, I think it's worthwhile. I think, uh, don't, don't be scared. It takes some companies a couple times to go through it. That's absolutely normal, so don't be discouraged. And reach out to B Corps if you need some help. Uh, I've found that the generosity of the folks in the community, not just to fellow B Corps, but to aspiring B Corps, uh, has been tremendous. So if you're having trouble figuring out what's the path, if you're a, a brewery that's considering it, Talk to one of our amazing B Corp breweries, and I can vouch um, and and really say with confidence that they should be you know able to because they don't see that as like competition. This is like pre competition, raising the bar for the industry, which serves everybody. So I would really just say, go for it. Be resourceful. Start asking questions. And definitely ask us questions. We're here to serve and and go for it. It's super important and we'd love to see more B Corps and keep pushing on us to grow um, and and serve you at greater scale.
1: That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Andrew, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add or impart on listeners? I'm
0: super grateful for the opportunity to to come and speak about this. It's something that not I don't just do for work. I do because I, I believe in it. This is how I try to live my life. I've been evangelizing. B Corp before I knew what it was. I just thought that this was the way that things should be. So I just, this is a really nice moment for me to be able to sit here. I'm proud of where I work and what it is that I do and what I work on behalf of. And I just, yeah, I, I appreciate the platform and I just would encourage everyone, even if, you know, this is a little bit abstract to you or you're a little eh, about the corporate world, just learn a little bit more about like what you can do even as a consumer to be choosing to buy and support businesses that are aligned with your values, whatever they may be. There's a lot more out there to help you make those decisions. And, you know, I always say like, don't downplay the impact that you can have. Or if you get stoked on this, that you can't tell somebody else that would get stoked and then they might talk to their business. Like there is a certain absolute ripple effect to how good ideas spread. And I just appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about um, what it is that we're doing. And hopefully this inspires somebody to do something that creates another ripple that adds to what it is that we're trying to build here. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We work hard to develop and deliver content to you that serves both businesses and consumers in their quest to align their actions with their values in service of people and planet. I'm excited to share with you, our faithful listeners, that we have officially launched our Patreon page where you can get access to bonus content like discovery posts, where you can find new brands that are doing good in the world and access to some of the full unedited video interviews. We practice what we preach and we work with a diverse team of writers and creators to make this content come to life and we pay competitive rates to do it. We don't charge our guests for being on the show, and currently we offer an ad-free experience. So if you're enjoying this content, head on over to responsiblydifferent.com forward slash support, and you can give a one-time gift that will go towards content creation in 2022, or you can join our Patreon and get access to additional content and a peek behind the scenes and all sorts of fun extras for a monthly subscription. Have a safe and happy holiday season, and we will catch up with you in the new year. Thank you. We appreciate you. Be well. Until next time, be responsibly different. This is a production of Go Collective. Claire Clausen is our project manager. Jeremy Glass is our writer. The music is an original score by our very own Kevin Oates. And I, Ben Marine, am your host and editor. To learn more about Dirgo Collective, visit dirgocollective.com.